Welcome back, friends. My head certainly is filled with things to say this evening as I come back to the broadcast here on Corbett Report Radio. I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, back in town here in the western part of Japan and back and ready forever, ready as ever to, to bring you some more exciting conversations this week on the broadcast. And thank you to all of those uh, who tuned in and who kept the faith last week as I was away on vacation for Global Research TV. I can now uh, spill the beans a little bit more about what I was doing. I was actually off to Beijing, China for a week to do some interviews with some scholars and professors and writers and uh, thinkers in China talking about China-U.S. relations, and that's going to be part of a forthcoming documentary project which will be being released in installments, probably starting towards the end of this month. So, of course, I will let you know more about that as it starts to come out. But uh, once again, it is great to be back on the program. Of course, it's nice to get away and to do something completely different and, and to see a different part of the world, but it's always nice to come back home. And home for me these days is the sunny climes of western Japan, where it is unfortunately extremely rainy this evening. So, well, an appropriate mood for our rainy and stormy subject matter tonight anyway. Tonight we're going to be talking about the technological singularity and the coming merger of mankind and machines and the point at which machines start to become a form of life into the, unto themselves, which to some people still sounds like science fiction fantasy, but unfortunately is becoming more and more of a mundane reality as evidenced by these uh, two stories, which uh, both came out in the past 24 hours, but I thought they were pretty interesting, so I've, uh, I've highlighted them for you. One is from Yahoo Tech, and it's, uh, it's under the headline, Google Offering to Pay Web Users to Track Their Every Move. It says, quote, less than a month after announcing a controversial new privacy policy that shares user data across all its sites with no opt-out option, Google is introducing a system to monitor all online activity of those who participate in a program called ScreenWise. In exchange for unrestricted access to information on your every online move, the search and software giant is offering financial compensation. It goes on to detail how people can get in-store Amazon credit by basically signing over their entire online lives and giving up all of their privacy to Google as if there's really any privacy left to be had on the Internet, or there ever was. But still, it's uh, just formalizing what we know has been going on behind the scenes for a very long time. Another interesting story that popped up on my radar today from Benzinga.com. Is your iPhone a new therapist or antidepressant? It says, stop popping pills and pick up an iPhone instead. That's the message being sent by the researchers behind Mobilize, a new iPhone app designed to help users overcome depression. According to Popular Science, the app uses a variety of data, such as your location, social activity, and physical activity, to determine if a person is behaving normally. If a person is not, the app can do things to help the user overcome his or her negative feelings. For starters, Mobilize can automatically text the user's family and friends, hoping to spark a motivating conversation. Alternatively, it can text the depressed user and attempt to persuade him or her to reach out to a friend or to get out of the house, end quote. And if that doesn't seem at least slightly creepy to you, and if the uh, implications are not quite all there for you, I would once again suggest an excellent book by uh, Aaron Franz, who we've had on the program before, called Revolve, Man's Scientific Rise to Godhood. Let me just read a little bit from the end of chapter two. Quote, understand that it would be impossible to implement the transhuman vision and remain completely human. 
A post-human would be so different from us that it could not be considered the same species. The end of life as we know it is the only thing that we could be certain of upon entering a post-human world. Now, if this isn't a dark concept, then I don't know what is. Well, we're going to be just exploring more about this concept, the technological singularity and transhumanism and all of the implications tonight in a conversation with our old friend Mark Russell in Argentina. So stay tuned on the line. We'll be right back right after this. Paradise from Coldplay to play us into tonight's show, but we are definitely not talking about Paradise, or at least that's my take on it. But let's start exploring tonight's topic, and tonight we're going to be talking about the technological singularity with our old friend Mark Russell, who I've interviewed before on the Corbett Report, and I've also interviewed here on Corbett Report Radio. We talked about consciousness a couple of months ago. I received quite a lot of positive feedback about that conversation, a very interesting conversation. So if you want to dip into the archives to re-familiarize yourself with Mark, of course, that uh, conversation and all of the previous uh, episodes of this broadcast are available in the RBN archives. And uh, let's let's start talking to, to Mark in Argentina. And uh, for those who are new to Mark, you can find his own uh, blog at markspointofview.blogspot.com, and that's Mark, M-A-R-C. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us again tonight. It's great to have you back on the program. Well, thank you for the invitation again. And uh, as I said last time, I know it's going to be a very interesting journey tonight as well, today, as, as you're in Japan. <laughs> there, there you go. Exactly right. Okay. Well, it, how could it fail to be an interesting conversation when we're talking about such an absolutely fascinating topic and one that really goes to the heart of, 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 of so many different things, including even the question of what is humanity? What is a human? And are we losing that? And what are the implications of these sentient mis- machines that are coming into, into view and all of these things that we're, uh, we're thinking about these days? But for people who really are, are new to the concept of the singularity, do you have any ideas of where people can start to get a handle on this topic? Okay, so you want to know about the technological singularity, my dear listener, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell you what the singularity is. You will have to see for yourself, and I guess you know that from some 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 movie, maybe like The Matrix. <laughs> okay, so we're go- I, I think we're going to do something very different, something interactive. And so you will have to go to a computer if you're listening, and if you're not able to, you just write it up. And the, what I'm going, the URL I'm going to give you now, and you have to go to singularity.com/charts. And you will find lots of nice, interesting charts with, with very interesting data. And I'm, as I told you, I'm not going to explain you what the singularity is. You just look, for example, there is a chart. I don't know if you're uh, seeing this. There is a chart which, which is called paradigm shifts. And the idea of this, this chart is like uh, it, it's a plot of uh, significant events that happened in man- during the history of mankind. And, uh, well, just to be fair, there's, like, many different uh, offers because not everybody agrees on what is a significant event in the history of mankind. That is a very, very hard to answer question. And if you look at this, this plot, well, it's, it's, maybe it's a little bit too hard to understand, but 
you'll notice there is uh, there is a trend. You can see it's it's going down. I don't know if you're looking at it, James, or I am indeed. Yes, the paradigm okay. shifts for 15 lists of key events, and it shows a logarithmic plot of uh, of time before present versus time to next event, talking about some of the key events in the formation of the universe. It looks like. Aha, uh-huh, that's right. So, what do you make of this? Well, it seems. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, as, I- as I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm a professor and I don't want you to be in this position, but it just happened. Sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm taking a test. Well, having seen uh, Ray Kurzweil's uh, presentations before, I know where this is going. And uh, he likes to show these logarithmic graphs. And a straight line on a logarithmic graph represents an exponential increase in, in something. So in this case, we're seeing an exponential increase in the rate of, of, of events that are of, of universal significance, or at least uh, significant events in terms of human development. And, uh, and I guess the, the implication of this is that as we approach that, uh, that um, time to next event um, zero line, we're getting closer and closer to the point where events will start happening so quickly, such events of such great scale and magnitude will start happening so quickly that, uh, that basically in, in uh, the metaphorical blink of an eye, the world will be changing around us in ways that will be difficult for average humans to grasp. Exactly, absolutely. Now, is there any way you can change this plot? <laughs> what do you think, James? <laughs> any way you can change I this mean, plot? Like, yeah. I don't believe this. Is there any way you could, like, oh, this is just nonsense. There is no way this is, this is actually true. Well, uh, the it's obvious hard. thing would be to dispute the, uh, the events that are taken as, as the, the key events that are being plotted, but, uh, but that's uh, obviously why he's chosen for 15 different lists to show that they all plot in pretty much the same way. Well, that's the problem. Uh, is it avoidable? I don't know. <laughs> but it's very interesting, at least. I mean, just this data, I, I'm, just, I'm an engineer. I, I look at things like I, I like data, I like evidence, and this is very hard evidence, I must confess. So, so this is really interesting. So what does this mean? Like, uh, there is something going on, now, actually, and it's not just like in the last few years or for last few uh, decades or even centuries, just in the last few eons. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it's somehow converging. So there, there's this big problem. I mean, uh, something is going to happen. In the, I, I think it's... it's it's very hard to to just like disagree with this idea. The only thing I, the only way I think you could just like say this is not going to happen is just like say, oh, uh, evolution is is wrong, and uh, I have I have a problem with with not believing that. I mean, with believing that. So I tend to to think this is this is actually going to happen. So this is bad news for all of you people who just say I don't, I don't want this. I do, I just want. Yeah. To, yeah, well, I, I certainly, I must admit, after having seen uh, some of Kurzweil's lectures, he does make an extremely convincing case that this type of uh, ex- exponential growth is going on, not just in terms of microprocessors, uh, transistors per microprocessors, the famous Moore's Law that uh, that uh, processing power basically doubles every 18 months or whatever it is, but, uh, but that it, it's happening in so many different fields, and you can plot basically the same type of exponential growth in so many different things. It is a very, very convincing uh, argument that he puts forth because it is it relies on so many different things from so many different fields that all seem to be converging towards this this type of exponential growth where suddenly it seems like in the next... Well, certainly in this century, we're, we're, we're likely to see some sort of incredible uh, events that would be pretty much unthinkable from our own uh, point of view right now. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But it, uh, usually you don't, you don't hear this in the alternative media, like uh, 
somebody saying, oh, this is you know, unavoidable. Well, that's my, my point of view. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, as I always, told, as I always tell, tell people, but uh, I see that problem. There is a lot of data, and it's actually converging. Now, the, this has been happening, but uh, when did people see it? Now, this is a different question. Like, when, when, was, when, when did people start to get aware, like, oh, something is happening, actually? Well, uh, of course, you can always have the the conspiratory argument or the uh, not all the truth is out there. So maybe it was known by the Egyptians. Who knows? Maybe what I don't know what happened actually 10,000 years ago. Exactly. Nobody knows. But if you look at like mainstream and, and uh, uh, mainstream information and uh, documents, you can actually verify. Well, there is a very famous phrase by Darwin. And he, this was set in the late 1800s, and he said it became increasingly plausible to view the current version of humanity not as the end point of evolution, but rather as a possible quite early phase. Aha! So interesting, really interesting. And then in the mid, uh, in the mid 1951, there there was this um, a very important. Uh, I think he was mathematician. You have, I'm, I'm, I'm not very sure about this, but Alan Turing actually defined the. He modeled how a computer program works, and he said machines might outstrip humans in the future. And then in 1958, you had uh, you had this this uh, quote by Ulam, and I don't know if you you heard about the H bomb. Well, uh, the H bomb design was done by Ulam, and I forgot the other guy. And von Neumann was the, actually, your computer, the one you're using, is a von Neumann machine, so very important people. And he talked about accelerating change. So it's like the, the idea is evolu evolving by itself. And then uh, the first person to actually uh, evoke the term technological singularity was Werner Winch. And he's a mathematician. mathematician. He wrote a sci-fi novel, which uh, I read it. It's actually, I must say, very interesting, Fire Upon the Deep. And, well, he coined that term, I think it was in the 80s. So, so actually, I believe that this is what, what, what's out there, but I believe this has been known for, for, for quite some time because if you're really, like, in control of things, you know uh, what's going to happen, you know where you have to invest in what technology. So I think you could actually somehow envision what, what would, would be happening. But, of course, I don't know. This is just, like, my my personal opinion on this matter. So, uh, yeah. And uh, so... Well, another thing to keep in mind with that is that if you are, are keeping the most advanced technology secret behind, you know, national security classification or what have you, then if you are 30 to 40 to 50 to who knows how many years ahead of the game in terms of your, your advanced technologies, then you can always seem to be predicting the future by simply saying what you already know that the general public doesn't know. Well, actually, I agree with that idea, but the question is, like, do you have evidence? I don't have evidence. I would just suggest it's, it's, it's likely, but I don't have evidence. You have to be careful if you don't have evidence. And, well, we do, yeah. we do have evidence yeah. of, of all sorts of technologies that have been hidden from the public for many years, in some cases decades, before they were finally admitted. Oh, yeah, I know that, but I mean, like, hard evidence. Like, oh, this is this document proving. You always hear, like, rumors or the, these kind of evidence, which, 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 if you have an open mind, won't, like, uh, you, you will listen to that. But, uh, I mean, like, hard evidence, like, this is possible. No, you don't get that. 
Well, well, I'm sure the U- U2 was probably a uh, conspiracy theory to the Russians until they shot it down. Absolutely, that's my point. That's my point. But, okay, there is, there is interesting things. For example, I personally, for example, the Internet, well, it was invented in the 60s, and I personally believe it's, um, it's, it's, it was, how do you say this, announced to the public or given to the commercial uh, interest, uh, how do you say this, in, in order just like to, to be a mechanism of control. Right, it was introduced to the public as, as the mechanism of control. E- exactly right. Well, let's take a short break. We'll be right back after this. Oh, okay. You know it's time to get the facts Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Corporate Report Radio here on this Monday night as we're talking to Mark Russell of markspointofview.blogspot.com. Once again, that's marks, M-A-R-C-S, pointofview.blogspot.com. And tonight we're talking about the concept of the technological singularity. We've talked a little bit about some of the, the precursors to this and some of the people who are involved in the formation of this idea but perhaps it's time to start evoking some of the technologies themselves and what uh, what types of technologies we're talking about when we talk about the coming singularity. So, Mark, why don't we start getting into that uh, realm of okay, subject? Let me give you, oh, sure. Let me give you just a little bit of an introduction. Like, the first event was the Big Bang. Okay, this is not a technology. Then you had events like life, like the first uh, uni- unicellular cell, the first multicellular organism, and those are events, but basically there is no technology involved in those events except in what happened like uh, 10,000 years ago when you started ha- having agriculture and you had this great capab- capability to produce food. So this changed a lot. So if you, if you look at this trend, there are presently a certain number of technologies that would actually enable the, this kind of making things faster and faster and faster. And before I talk about technologies, there is a very interesting idea which actually Kurzweil discusses, and that's the idea of, um, uh, wait a moment, I had it in my mind and now I, I, I forgot it. The idea of, uh, well, returning, uh, how do you say this? You have a technology that enables a second technology that actually, it, it's like everything is, is enabling a new ki- a class of technology that enables right, a new class right. of technology the internet enables YouTube. The YouTube enables this. This enables that. Right. And, uh, so yes, it's, it's like, building on itself. It's way. building on itself, and it's overlapping. So if you look at the well, I first heard about the technological singularity myself in 1999 because uh, there is this book by Kurzweil. I, I read it. It's I, I wait a moment. Okay. And the the three uh, technologies that were announced then were genetics, and everybody knows that. And I don't think I have to talk too much about genetics and what the dangers are because uh, we are already in that revolution. I mean, nobody realizes it, but at least in America, most of the corn that is produced is is GMO. Here in Argentina, we have all of the soya beans is GMO. I think in Europe, there is still resistance. I've heard about this argument in Hungary. Hungry, um, yeah, but they, they just said no to GMO. I find that very interesting. I'm not against GMO. I think there, is, there, there, are, there are things that can be done that can actually help people, but the kind of GMO that only makes money has a problem because what's left for our children, that's a problem. 
And uh, so that's that's actually something which is like past history, genetics, where we're in there and there's much more to come. I think we are about to have the $1,000 genome. I mean, you just pay that price and you get your genome and you get it on a, you download it and there it is. You can You can know a lot of things about you and where you come from and all these things. Second technology that was talked about in the in the 1999 was nanotechnology. Nanotechnology is just making things very small, like very very tiny robots that can actually like scour your 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 body or can like build things. And for example, you you want to have a pizza, then you just say, oh, I want a pizza, and uh, your pizza is made from atoms, literally. Well, I don't know if that that is particularly practical because there are much there are applications that are much more important, but it, it makes a point, okay? And the third technology that was discussed back then was robotics. By robotics, they don't mean robots, actually. That's a very old word. They actually meant, like, artificial intelligence. So this, this means, like, uh, solving unknown problems in a short time and in a general way. And uh, something which happened uh, recently was this. There is talk about a new... Uh, Kind of technology you call that you could call it that way, which is called artificial general intelligence, which is which is AGI, and that is something I particularly find interesting, and you should pay attention to. That's AGI, and now we have new technologies which weren't recognized in nineteen in the nineties, which is brain computer interfaces, which is like mainly like how are you connected. How can information from your brain be extracted, or how could you manipulate what happens in the brain? Uh, there are many, many like ways of doing this. There is invasive technology. You get an implant. I don't think that's going to be the way. Then you have non-invasive technology, and uh, for example, you have the uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging. You have uh, many technologies that allow you, not at this stage, but will probably allow you to know the state of each neuron in real time. So if you are able, and now comes the, the, hard, the hard problem with understanding this, if you're able to copy the state of the, of, the, of, the, of the brain in silicon and you're able to emulate that brain, what does that mean? So James, uh, what do you think? Well, it raises the possibility that we'll be able to uh, eventually create artificial people in a way, or even to copy ourselves into into some sort of robotic form. Well, I just said a very simple that, that that's just a very simple statement, which I said you can upload your mind. That's the the word that the community, the the singularity community or transhumanism community uses. You upload your mind, but it, it leads to a lot of questions like, who are you? What, what does that mean? Is it possible? Well, I guess we'll touch that in the next block. Absolutely. Well, it goes to the very heart of some of the questions that philosophers have been asking since the dawn of humanity, I'm sure. And, uh, and now it's becoming a very, very real question, and uh, more so as every day passes and as we get closer to that singularity. So on that note, let's take a short break. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. All right, everyone, this is a song I wrote called uh, It's In Your Hands for a film called United We Fall.
friends. Of course, that's our old friend Dan Dix of PressForTruth.tv. So I hope you are tuned into Press for Truth and all the excellent work that they're doing, including, of course, Dan Dix's own compositions, which he makes for his own documentaries. Of course, that is It's In Your Hands, one of my personal favorites. And tonight we're talking to Mark Russell in Argentina, and we're talking about the concept of the technological singularity. So let's uh, let's start to pick up where we left off before the break, getting into some of the very fascinating philosophical questions and implications of some of these uh, technologies that we see coming down the line. I'm not sure where you'd like to pick up this conversation, but Mark, why don't you go ahead? Well, we were talking about like what it means to upload your mind, and I don't want to touch that now because we would be talking like 10 hours at least, and uh, I think there are more interesting th- there are, there is a more interesting issue which is like. What are people who believe in the singularity like? That's a very interesting question. Like, because everything is done by people, and it's not like done by machines, at least. When you say well, believe I don't know in, do you mean believe in, as in the sense they they think it's coming, or believe in in the sense that they actually want it to come? Uh, in both senses. Mm. Yeah, and uh, well, I must I must tell my personal experience. I did attend. There is a, a summit. Um, it's like a conference. And it's done yearly. It's called the Singularity Summit. And I did attend the Singularity Summit 2008, which was, uh, oh, that's been quite some time, four years or five. But, uh, well, it was very interesting because I actually got to know some people. I actually met, I, I met Kurzweil, and I met very interesting people. And, uh, well, I don't agree exactly with what they want, but it's very interesting to know them and to know what they think or have an idea at least of what they think because I, I never know what they exactly think. So uh, my 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 impression was like well there was there was something very very strange going on it was like like nerddom <laughs> I don't know if you you got that word like the kingdom of the nerds to mm-hmm. be honest and I'm one myself so I don't care but it was <laughs> yeah I know but it was like um, everything it was like actually I, w- I found it very interesting it, it was people who were just like saying we can make the future there was not like uh, control or um, like uh, we ask, we we want to we 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 are just like Illuminati and we no it was just like university professors students uh, I there were I, I'm sorry but there were some people who had uh, mental problems as well I, I met a couple <laughs> but uh, in in general I must say it was very very interesting because it wasn't what I expected it was very I mean at that time and even now it was like very interesting people like people who had actually no idea what it meant what the Control meant and, and what what the possibilities are and it's actually a different uh, point of view. You would expect something completely different. So and on one of the I remember at that time one of the main topics I overheard or like in chit chat what you you what you would hear is are you a believer? I mean come on this is engineering university professors mm-hmm. and are you a believer? So that's that's the kind of 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 situation like where it's, are you sure about this? Are you not sure? Is this, I mean, it was, it was actually very interesting because it was like discussing, like, like we are discussing, for example, what do we want the future to be? Well, they were doing that in 2008, but in, in a, in a like nice way, like open way. I mean, like, like exciting way, like uh, let's do this, let's do that, let's do try, let's try this. But I, I thought it was also a little bit naive. Well, like the, Official event like the the people who were there, and I can't talk about the people who are there now because I just had this experience. But uh, they were like everything was uh, nice. Like when you read all this material, when you read all the 
well, you know, the, this, uh, the Singularity is Near is a book by Ray Kurzweil. Uh, everything is, very, is too optimistic, in my opinion. It's like um, there, are, there is not a, too much of an emphasis on what can go wrong, and everything can go wrong if that happens. And I have no idea what's, what's even possible, because this is so big, so complicated, that I have heard for, about this for, like, I don't know, well, it's been like 13 years, and I still haven't grasped everything. So that's a big, big issue. And, and I should some, point yeah. out for, for people who are listening or interested in the Singularity Summit, I believe they, they keep uh, records of their proceedings online, and there are usually videos of their conferences and things that I've, I've watched in the past. So I'm sure they can be found uh, online readily if people want to check out what kinds of uh, talks they give there. I absolutely, I absolutely encourage everyone to go to the singularitysummit.com site and check the videos, absolutely, because it's all open. Everything that has been done there is all in the open. You can see the videos, you can see the conferences, you can see the discussions. Everything is open, and it's highly interesting, very interesting. So, one, one, for example, one of the other things I overheard, which was there, there, there was um, chat about, for example, people... <laughs> Professors, important like researchers, talking about is the technological singularity the apocalypse that was announced in scripture, which I, I would have never ever expected that kind of, of 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 phrase in my life, and maybe this I don't know, <laughs> but it, it, it it's at least very interesting to to hear and uh, and okay, and then I would like if you if you if you want some references to some. Because when, you, when you're dealing with a subject, you always have to study it. You have to, to get hard information because otherwise you're just like uh, imagining things. You're just like not imagining. Like uh, I, I, I think it's, it's that way and you don't know. You just have to make very sure. So I'll, I'll give you just some references. There is a guy you can check on him. He's called Michael Vassar. He's the head of the Singularity University. And I actually know someone from Argentina who's going to go there now. This is, I'm sure it's going to be very interesting to hear, hear about this. Then there is another guy who's called Ben Gertzel. He's in, into artificial intelligence. Actually, what I find, just, just a little detail on, on what he's doing. He, 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 he experimented with uh, artificial persona, so like artificial people on Second Life. So he programmed like a bot on Second Life that would pose as a human and would try to interact with real humans. I find that very interesting. Incidentally, doesn't that go back to Alan Turing himself that we talked about earlier, who claimed that machines were outstripping humans? And if I remember correctly, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Turing invented a Turing test, which was a, a test to, to basically for, for artificial intelligence, um, it, basically saying that if a computer can convince a human operator that, it, it, that they don't know whether it's a, a computer or a human, then we can, for all intents and purposes, say that artificial intelligence has been achieved. Absolutely, and actually, I find it very interesting because if you're in Second Life, you don't know if it's a human or not. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, then there was there is a very interesting reference, which is a Stephen Wolfram, and he's the author of uh, Mathematica, which is a tool we use a lot at our university, and he also has a website which is called Wolfram Alpha, Alpha which is I don't know if you use that, but. It's a very hard I used it thing. once. It wasn't uh, that helpful, but it was interesting. It's very interesting because you just type in, for example, what's the distance to the moon, and it gives you the distance to the moon right now. It works. And many, many, for example, who was the, the I don't know, it's very smart, actually. And uh, I would say his, his research is very interesting. Then you have, I don't know if you heard about the X Prize. 
the those prizes given to outstanding achievements like the there was this spaceship one which mm-hmm. is for first time a commercial air, air aircraft that was able to fly out of space which is that that line de- defined as 100 kilometers and well x prize is like a prize given to an award given to to those kind of achievements in order to of course to advance the singularity another one who's very interesting is Jürgen Schmidhuber he's actually i think he's from germany and he's in switzerland that's a it has that german umlaut that u with double Okay, and he's into artificial general intelligence. Actually, has very interesting talks, and I absolutely encourage you to 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 look up uh, those those people and just look what they do. And I think that's going to be very interesting. Now you have I also heard uh, talk about an economist, and it was very interesting because he, because he talked like about the importance of money and the importance of infrastructure. For for example, people today are uh, making a building and. Um, they are planning to get the return, the return of the investment in like 50, 40, 30 years. What happens if this singularity happens? Will you get your money back? And he was talking about these kind of, of issues. And I also find that very interesting. Like, what is going to happen with money? Will it still make sense? And those were the questions he, he put. And I found that very interesting. And there's also companies that are involved. For example, I heard the CTO, the chief technology officer of Intel, uh, in a talk. And he talked about... Uh, like how Intel was prepared for this singularity. For uh, They have a plan which goes 10 years in the future, and they know what the technology is going to be. They don't have it actually very defined, but they know what it's going to be. It's not commercial yet, but they, they, that was actually his statement. I'm not just like conspiracy. No, you can look it up and search and, and listen to his words. So that's very interesting. And there was actually some other interesting talk I remember about a um, researcher from IBM, and they, they made a, a brain simulation that was able to simulate the brain of a small rat. And uh, now, to, this, was, this was four years ago. I, I have been, been uh, reading to, the, to what, they had, what the advancements have been, but that, is, that in per, per se is, is pretty impressive. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I personally think like there's a lot of people who actually are like um, they don't have bad intentions, at least at, at that level where you have like an open conference and you can you can actually interact with like professors and, and people who are, who are researching these kind of things. And uh, well, I don't know if you wanted to change the topic a little bit and talk about why are actually all these people doing it. Let's because, go ahead, because I think that is one of the fundamental basis yeah. for the conversation so i guess uh there is a little bit of like uh i want to be special i want to be in the future i want to change the future and it, there's a lot of people who are like naive and they are like, like about this like changing things and probably with good intentions but i i i for example the, the people like the old timers uh at the conference i was a little bit scared like uh, i i felt like the main argument, like I, I sensed, was fear of death, and that's a very hard argument. Like you're all doing all this because you're afraid of dying. It's very hard. Like, uh, why are you trying to do this genetics revolution? I'm afraid of dying. I don't want to. I want to live more. I want to live better. Well, define that. <laughs> that's also a question. Like, how do you define living better? And that's, that's right, and, and it's important to point out that's not just an interpretation that you're coming up with. That's something that's quite explicitly at the work of some of these uh, these people who are who are putting this forward, including, of course, famously Kurzweil, who 
has the intention of bringing his father back in some sort of technological form or through some technological means because he was devastated by the loss of his father. And he uh, often talks about living long enough to live forever, the idea being that uh, that life extension technologies will start to advance at such a rate that if you can just survive the next 20 to 30 years, you will effect- uh, effectively be able to live forever because of the nanotech and all of the other things that will be engineering our bodies to, to combat the aging process. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I sensed like this this there was a lot of lots of fear and it's awful to I don't I don't think it's nice to talk about like other people like saying how they are and in all this but in this case I I will make an exception and I I just I, I felt like a sense of fear like like there was something like he was very afraid and uh, why are you afraid What's the problem If I, if you are listening to this Ray, don't be afraid <laughs> That's what I what I can what I can what I can do I don't know that's my point of view now uh, uh, there is one other I think like uh, intention in all of this which is like go- governing nature the forces of nature you want to control you need control you need to 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 have everything in 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 the world exactly as you want it to be I want that atom here I want that atom there I want this population over there. I think that's a that's a very old desire, like controlling everything. And uh, if you look at scripture, if you look at old old writing, uh, there is a very famous person who wants to do that, and it's or a persona or entity, whatever you want to call. It, that's the devil. He wants to become like God. Now, I don't want to talk like religion in, in this talk because it's it's unavoidable. You always you, you will start talking about this. But if you look at like the this idea of becoming God, and you look at scripture, then you say, oh, this looks very much alike, it's interesting, and then you have the other people talking about the apocalypse, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, it, it certainly is, and, and again, this is not something that's tangential to, to the study of this, I think it really does go to the heart of it, because when we start talking about life extension technologies and the, the possibility of living forever and things like that, it has to be understood in terms of the history of those ideas, which has historically uh, been been used in in almost, uh, if not explicitly, at least a quasi quasi religious framework, where where we have uh, the intersection of, of science and and alchemy and all of these these kinds of esoteric arts that have been around for hundreds of years, and and it's important to understand that there is quite a, a, a long, rich history of that in the scientific field. I mean, you go back to Isaac Newton, and, and people think of him in terms of gravity or in terms of uh, the spectrum and things like that, but in fact, his life's work and something that he truly devoted himself to was, was alchemy, and he kept extensive al- alchemical notes and things, which you can go and read, and some of the bizarre things that he was, he was uh, experimenting with. And I think it's something that that really is at the heart of the the scientific uh, process itself, and that's why I quoted from that book, "Revolve: Man's Scientific Rise to Godhood," at the beginning of today's episode, because I think it really starts to get into some of those implications that this is really something that drives the people who are behind this type of technology. Yeah, and I think the the the, the main issue is fear. You're all, everybody's doing this because of fear. You're afraid of of losing control. That's a very interesting idea because. Uh, once the singularity, whatever happens, kicks in, there is no way of turning it off, or whatever happens. There is, uh, actually, I remember this book by Power of, uh, sorry, uh, it's the, let me look at that, Fire Upon the Deep. I found a very interesting idea there, which is once uh, 
humanity or whatever uh, society gets to the singularity, there is no point of going back to the planet or of even staying in the universe. That's uh, that's something that very serious people are discussing. Like, if you have all this advancement, this great advancement in such a short time, and you discover a lot more about the universe, like the laws of laws of physics, and you're even probably possibly change. Uh, uh, recognize like uh, there, there, there's so, so much more to the universe than we currently know. You're just like maybe they, they, there's even a possibility. Oh, we just leave the the, uni- the universe and we go to some place else. It's very serious. People are talking about this now. Maybe that's why we don't see aliens. I don't know, but uh, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, and uh, James, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I thought I thought I had lost you. Sorry. And then uh, there is another uh, idea, which is, uh, I personally think it's possible, uh, it's, it's going to happen, I personally think it's very interesting that to find all those relationships, all of you, sorry, uh, all right, okay, well, let's hold it there we're, we're coming up on a break but uh, we'll hold it there and we'll be back just after these messages to wrap up our conversation with Mark Russell of markspointofview.blogspot.com All right, welcome back, friends. We are here in the closing minutes of tonight's edition of Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the rainy climes today of Western Japan, and we're joined on the line all the way from Argentina by Mark Russell of MarksPointOfView.blogspot.com, talking tonight about the concept of the singularity. So, uh, Mark, we have just a few minutes here to wrap up tonight's conversation, so let's give it a go. Okay. Uh, I guess I just blew a lot of people's mind. Okay, let's go for a little bit more. <laughs> uh, I just want to give you my, like, my point of view, my philosophical point of view. Uh, there's people who believe in materialism. They believe everything is uh, what you see, what you get to touch. We are 3D plus time. Well, to those people, obviously, the singularity should be possible because you can copy, you can control all, all, all those atoms, and it should be possible. But I want to actually tell you what I think about the, the people who are more spiritual, who think like there might be a soul. That's my present point of view. I'm saying present, and I, it didn't used to be. And even if you believe in there is a soul, and it's not in this physical world, well, the technological singularity might be possible. Because I, if, if I'm not, my present point of view is like, um, there has to be some connection if there is a soul. There has to be some connection between matter and the soul. So, uh, maybe you can copy that as well. So that, this is just to give you some food for your brains, and uh, so you you can uh, grab your your hairs so, or eat each other other and 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 see what comes out. So so my idea of of this talk is just like or I don't know whatever it is, just like to encourage you people to just look for it and to read about it, to listen, to get involved, and to enjoy life, which is the most important thing. And uh, I'm, I must say, uh, uh, I'm extremely optimistic about this whole scenario. I, I, I was like the, the perfect, uh, dep- uh, how do you say this in English, the perfect uh, pessimist. 
a couple of years ago, but now I'm, I'm just seeing it very bright because uh, the answer to all these, these problems, uh, all this who controls this and everything is consciousness. I mean, if you're just like you know what's going on and you're aware of it and you spread the word and you make other people conscious, the only, the only way is uh, they, they have to accept it. I mean, it, you can't force consciousness. But if you help doing that's that's what I'm trying to tell you. If you spread the consciousness, then everybody gets to hear about it and it, nothing bad can happen. Well, that that is so true. That is exactly the way that the system, we already see the way it's being implemented now, even today, the way it's being brought in is is to try to get people to sign on to it, either, either metaphorically or even literally when it comes to, for example, Google's new privacy policy, which, uh, which after a certain date, everyone who uses Google and YouTube and all of their other uh, parts of that octopus are going to be signing on to the privacy policy. So people give their, their privacy up in, in, in just because they like the, uh, the services or, or with this new iPhone app that analyzes people and just determines if they have normal behavior. Again, it's you choose to download the app, you choose to implement it. So even on these small micro scales of, of the types of things we're talking about, it's always a question of people being convinced to take it on for themselves. So if we understand the, dis- the risks and the dangers and what the, uh, the problems are, and if we can help other people to understand that, then we do win because it is about the liberation of the mind. Mm-hmm. And, the, and humanity. The last word. Uh, you have free will. Use it. <laughs> well said. Exactly right. Well, we are humans. We do have free will. And, uh, and we don't lose that until we give up the, the struggle, until we just give in to, to all of the negativity. So you're exactly right. We have to maintain our, our positivity and we have to keep spreading the word and the information and getting other people to understand our point of view. And on that note, if you want Mark's point of view, you can go to markspointofview.blogspot.com to find uh, some of his uh, writings and videos and things that he's posted there. And uh, Mark, I'm, I'm sure we'll have many things to talk about in the future, so I'm looking forward to having you on the program again. Okay, well, thank you, and uh, for everybody out there, enjoy the this late na- night and early day, wherever you yes, are. <laughs> exactly. All right, thank you, and thank you to everyone who listened tonight, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again tomorrow night. <laughs>